Good morning, Faithway Church. Good morning, good morning. How many of you guys had a blessed week today? Well, this week, even today, yes, amen, amen, amen. You know, it's always amazing just to be surrounded by our family and just enjoy the presence and the peace that we find in Jesus. So we have a couple of, of announcements in store today for each and every one of us. So I know there's something for each and every one of us here. If you have joined us online, welcome to Faithway Church. You are part of the church, and there is someone who is back there ready to engage with you. It's not a computer. It's a real-life person, and the team is ready to respond to you. If this is your first time visiting us here also in campus, stop by the Welcome Center on your way out and exchange some information with us, and you get to walk out of here with a free gift. Who wants to continue this free gift this week? That's awesome. So JSMI... Students, um, the deadline is January 5th. That's coming up this in two weeks, I think, or a week and a half. Um, we were out of ink, so packets weren't ready. So this afternoon, ink has arrived. Praise God for ink. Yes, woo! So we're going to have those packets ready. If you do need a packet, please send me a message, students, and I'll have one ready for you this afternoon. Um, also, mark your calendars next week on Thursday. It is New Year's Eve, and we are going to have a special service here at Faithway. It's starting at 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. It's with Dr. Terry Mize. Please bring your family, bring someone, bring someone with you and share the message because this is an awesome way to kick off the new year and enjoy a special message that Dr. Terry Mize will be bringing. Um, speaking of New Year, also, if you guys are already thinking of your New Year's resolutions or something that you want to bring in new for this next upcoming year, why not start with a three-month commitment here to Faithway and Serving? So we have plenty of space, and we'd want you guys to prayerfully consider this. We have plenty of space, and God has called each and every one of us who is sitting in here today. He has called each and every one of us to serve and to do something for his glory. So there's, if you don't know what it is that you're called to do, we can help you out and we can help and guide you and direct you into the right place. But we do have plenty of space in the cleaning team. Cleaning team is awesome. They do the work behind the scenes and they prepare this whole place for us whenever we show up on Sundays and Wednesdays. We also have the kids ministry, all ages. Uh, ushers team, we need you guys there too, and the welcome team. So there's somewhere for, for you to serve. So prayerfully consider serving and doing a commitment for your New Year's resolution come January, um, which is next week already. Um, also, youth, we announced this last week, the youth are already working at the fireworks stand. So if you guys want to go and show some support, they are at Mr. W's. I got this wrong last week. Mr. W's. It's the one who's right next door to Brian's Stop and Shop. They're open all day, um, I think they start like at 9 or, or 10, early in the morning, and they're up there all the way until close to midnight. So there's time for you guys to go, and they're there every single day, so just stop by and visit. And if you want to go and bless them with some food, I'm pretty sure the youth love food and drink. So um, with that being said, there's no youth group class tonight because youth will be over there at the fireworks stand. Um, and I think that was it of the... the messages. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to receive the word. And parents, go ahead and text uh, your child's name, your name, child's age to register them into their classes this morning. So let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way.
All right. Well, praise God. Let's get right into it. Father, we thank you this morning for, for the word. We thank you, Lord, for this great church. And Father, I thank you for what we're pursuing. We thank you as this is the last service of this year. Father, let's, um, let's all take a moment and say thanks. Pray, pray a prayer of thank you. If you're in the building, if you're watching online, why don't you thank God he got you through this year? Father, we just want to take a moment as we close this year to thank you, sir, for keeping us healthy, keeping us blessed, keeping our families together, and even through a, through a year of so much uncertainty, Father. Your covenant has hold on to its truth that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and we are so blessed, Father, and we are truly looking forward to 2021. And, Father, we just thank you, Father, for, for all the families that are here. We know, Father, some families this was a very difficult year, but we know you are the God of restoration. You are the God of fixing things, and I give you praise and glory this morning for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, let me share a couple of things, and then we'll get into to the Word this morning. This is the last Sunday of, of the year, and normally I would start my, a series on the first Sunday, but I decided to start at this one just because we're there. And I think it's, um, you know, you, you'll get, you'll understand some of the things, and one of the things that I'm, I'm going to go throw it out there right now, we'll talk about it next week, but next week doesn't start. We're also going to teach a little bit about you know, fasting and praying, and we're going to invite people to take the first few weeks of this year, and it's not that difficult, so don't get scared. It's not about being hungry and all that. It's um, called the Daniel Fast, and it's just really about seeking God, and I think at the front end of this year, we, we need to consider that. Amen? How many, you know, just start the years right, and uh, I got to thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking about all the 2020 and the COVID and all the crisis, and I had this one little thought, and I think, I mean, I believe the Holy Spirit gave it to me. He says, you know, the church was kind of at fault for that, meaning the church let it happen. Y'all here this morning? Meaning as not this church, like the body of Christ in the world. Because if you think about it, 2019 was a good year, you know, it was that we kind of maybe were a little complacent, just expected things, and then we got faced with this crazy year that we all dealt with. And I got thinking, you know, the church has authority. You know, we've always had it. This is not a new thing. But the church has become, you know, commercialized. It's become popular. It's become, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And a lot of times we've even become politically correct. And that attitude has taken away the power of the church. Thank you for excitement on that revelation. But that's the truth, you know. And they say, well, yeah, I can't fix the whole church. No, you can't. But I'll tell you the difference between the families that went through this year, you know, pretty much unscathed by the, the crisis and some that went through it. I'm talking about believers now. I'm not, it's not a judgment. But one of the reasons is not that God has favor on other people. It's not that God likes one person more than another, but God will make an exception of faith. Because it, it's, it's according to your faith, right? So at the front end of this year, just like every year, we believed that, you know, whatever year, in that case it was 2020, it was going to be a good year. Well, it wasn't a good year, <laughs> you know? But it was a good year for me. Think about that. So, you know, for, for the world, it was a horrible year. But we didn't participate. I made a choice not to participate in any crisis. And that's not just 2020. That's every year. You know, every year, I'm like, I don't know what 2021 has. But you know what? I'm making a choice today. I'm not participating in any of the crises that 2021 will throw at us. I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm going to take my Holy Ghost flu shot this morning. Say, so we're going to get a shot at church? You don't have to. You just say, Lord, I'm taking my holy flu shot. You know, again, don't you, you do what you do. You don't do anything because I said so, because you need to pray to God. 
that, you know, I don't ever remember ever in my life having a flu shot. I'm not planning to get one. Why? Because, oh, yeah, I don't get the flu. Thank you for your excitement on that one. I know some of you thought, just wait till he gets the flu. Well, I'll prove you wrong again, because every year I say the same thing, and every year I don't get sick, all right? So, you know, I'm just encouraging you, you can live this way. You can live this way. Everyone in this room, everyone watching me online, you can live this way. You just got to apply certain truths, and that's really the premise of the new series. So the, this new series, it's, uh, it's all going to be connected. It's basically, it's going to be based around Matthew chapter 6. What a powerful chapter in the Bible. So let's go get, get right into it. So the, the, the series is titled Living in the Kingdom of God, and that is one of the principles you have to, have to, have to understand, because when we don't understand laws of countries and rules of countries of any system, you get in a lot of trouble. You know, and that's the problem with sometimes, I want to say Americans for the most part, not, not, not Hispanics, because Hispanics was, you know, we're, in Spanish they call me yulos, right? We got a little bit of backbone. We understand some things. But, you know, a lot of Americans get in a lot of trouble in other countries because they don't know the laws, and they think they're in America. And guess what? When you're in Cuba, you're not in America. You could spend the rest of your life in jail just for not knowing the fact that you're in a different country. And guess what? The rules of America don't apply in Cuba. And the rules of America don't apply in Mexico. And the rules of America don't apply in Ukraine. So you kind of have to know when you travel what are the rules so you can flow in that system. Well, that's basically where we're going with understanding the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God, you know, I'll share this and I'll share a little story to go with it. But the kingdom of God is the way God does things. It's the system. Everybody say the system. You guys are, you know, we have a lot of people out, so you all need to be louder. And then we got this middle section that everybody avoids, so. But um, the system of God, there is a system, and here's the thing, you know, ignorance of any system doesn't exempt you from the consequences of that system. Right? I remember, you know, when, when this whole COVID thing, I had HH come up here and share from a scientific perspective what it was, and he gave us a great explanation, and we understood it, and we understood what we needed to do. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, that's all the information I needed. Because I trust HH way more than I do the CDC. Because they keep getting it wrong, you notice that? They keep getting it wrong all the time. For instance, no mask, no. Now you have to wear a mask, and then, you know, let's be honest, masks don't really work. Just hate to butt your bubble, but, <laughs> you know. If you're sick, yeah, it might protect the next person, but other than that, you know, there's a lot of nonsense. So, you know, you choose to live within a system. So I want to share a little story with you, and, um, and, th and this it takes a Mexican to do stuff like this. You guys know that. So I was in Ukraine a few years ago, many years ago now, maybe, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and we had just finished a really good conference there, with, and I was part of an organization called ICFM back then, and we were going to have a, the other conference in Mexico just like two weeks, three weeks after Ukraine, and I was there with Terry. Terry Mize will be here for New Year's. If you don't know Terry, you want to be here. He's a shaman of God, good friend. And he was the missions director for ICFM, so you know him and I would coordinate these different conventions. I was doing the one in Ukraine. I was doing the one in Mexico. And on the back end of the Ukraine one, Terry knew I was going to go to Mexico, so he gives me all this money to pay for the conference, right? So when you travel to different countries, you're supposed to, you remember what I told you at the beginning of this? Obey the laws, right? So when you go walk in, you're supposed to write down on your, on your declarations form how much money you're bringing in, and, you know, depending if you didn't spend it all, then you, when you come out, there, they can ask you how much money you're bringing out. And it should be, 
obviously less than you brought in. Well, the problem was I didn't, I didn't walk in with $4,000, and I was about to walk out with $4,000. And, you know, Terry said, do you think you can handle this? I said, of course I can handle this, right? So I got all this cash, and I stuffed it in my socks, and stuffed it in my shoes, and stuffed it in my front pockets. And I'm in the airport getting ready to get on my plane to go home in, in the city of Kiev, Ukraine. I remember this because it was still the old airport. <laughs> you know, and we're in line for the last passport control, so you're sitting there, and basically you're going to show your passport, they'll stamp it, and you go sit at the waiting area for your, your... But then they have these officers, and they're just kind of glancing around, and you know, they're glancing at everybody. And out of all the people in the line, guess who they decided to pick? Yes, yours truly, which was in a situation now because I did not tell all these people I had all this money. And they put me into a little room in, in them speaking in Russian, and they didn't understand English. And I said, I only knew enough Russian to get in trouble. So um, they have me, they're questioning me, so they ask me, how much money do you have? And here we go, right? Because my declaration says $1,000, but my body has over 4000 so we could have a problem here. So I kind of just threw it out there. I said, well, I got you know, a little bit of money. I, didn't, I really didn't know the exact amount because it was over $4,000. So long story short, they said, open your, you know, after I told them I didn't have all that money, which you're not supposed to lie to a government official, so that was the first mistake. It wasn't really a lie. It was, you know, you know the ones you use. They're not really lie, but they're kind of like a lie, but you know, just trying to get out of trouble. And I'm sitting here, and so they say, empty your pockets, and here comes all this money, right? And they say, let me see your passport when the passport has stuff in them. So they start spreading all this. It looked like a drug deal, man. It was all this money on this. And the worst thing about it, back then, there was this real popular series I used to love to watch on Nat Geo. Anybody watch uh, Locked Up Abroad? Well, let me tell you, you don't want to watch Locked Up Abroad while you're locked up abroad. Because all the memories of that series came and haunted me. I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is... Because I'm in a little room. I'm supposed to be over there waiting for my airplane to get home, and I'm not. I'm with two Russian officials. One was a lady, and of course, women officers, they got something to prove. Remember that. Just, that will help you anywhere you deal with a female officer, all right? Just be nice, really nice. So she's going on and on and on, and she's going off in Russian, and she's shaking her hands, and I'm sitting there looking like, okay. And so he, she leaves, and comes another officer. He talks to the other officer. Then he leaves. Then she comes back, and she's going off in Russian, and all, all by now, we're like about 30 minutes into this ordeal, right? And I'm thinking, oh, Terry Mize, I hope you're praying for me now because it doesn't look good. Here's the problem. You see, I'm, that's the point of my story. You've got to know the laws of the nation, right? Well, that kind of was a, I knew the law, but I decided not to obey the law, so thus you have the consequences of the law. So at one point, they all left, and they left me in that little room. And of course, being a man of God that I am, Joe, I started praying, oh, Jesus, help me. Get me out of this mess, right? <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know how you do all the promises, like, you know, if you help me out of this one, I'll never do this. You know, I'll, you go through the whole list. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. I know God was involved. I guess maybe they didn't want to deal with an American. That's what I'm thinking. So she finally comes in with my, I didn't have a passport. I couldn't go anywhere. And she puts a passport down, and she gets all the money, which, you know, I grew up in Mexico, and when you're in a little room with no cameras and officers, and there's a lot of cash involved, they could have easily kept all of it and just said, because I broke the law, right? They could have said, okay, you're free to go, but your, your money is not. No, they didn't do that. They could have done that, and they would have been $4,000 richer, and I would have not been $4,000 poor because it wasn't my money, glory to God. It was ICFM's money. 
that would have been a random call, right? Hey, Terry, you just lost $4,000. Can I have another $4,000, right? But um, so anyhow I, anyhow, I just think it was God. You know, he just, she, she just put all the money together, gave me my passport, gave me my, she stamped that thing, and she just said, get out of here, you know, basically. Because that's how they did it, talking about And I was done, and I was out, and glory to God, obviously I'm here. But that was one of those times when you say, you know, things could have gone really bad really fast. So my thing, my, you know, my, the whole moral of that story is you, you should know and you must know the laws that govern the system that you live in. That speed limit sign is not a suggestion. I found that out in Laredo the other day. That's all I'm going to say about that. I guess the Christmas bonuses were low, so they decided to stop everybody they could. And I was one of them. I was one of their choices. So... When we talk about the kingdom of God, go ahead and give me, give me the first one, RJ. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, let's, um, let's first of all figure, you know, what, what was the message? Now, let's start in Acts chapter 1. This morning, my job is just to introduce it, and the slides are going to be primarily scripture. I think I have one note on the slides. Everything else is just scripture. But we have to have an understanding. We have to have, let me help you, a working understanding. When you leave... This building this morning, you, have to, you should know a little bit, but hopefully by the end of the series, you'll have a pretty good working understanding of how God does what he does. Because there, it is a system. And just like you are subject to the American laws when you live in America, and you're subject to the Mexican laws when you're in Mexico, and you're subject to Ukrainian laws when you're in Ukraine, it's the same thing. God has certain parameters, and I, and I want to use the word law carefully because I'm not talking about Levitical or Mosaic law, I'm talking about rules that work within the system. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? So let's, first of all, let's look at the end of the, of the ministry, of the earthly ministry of Jesus. This is, the, this is the end. So at this point, for those of you that are, you know, historic, or where are we? Jesus has died. He's been raised from the dead, and he ascends to his Father, and then he returns and teaches for 40 days. And those 40 days are, I think, to, you know, we really don't have a lot of the writings that happen during those 40 days because there's really no book. That, that, you know, there, there's ideas that refer to what was happening during the 40 days, but there's not like a, you know, day-by-day -day history of it. So we really didn't know the, 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 the whole theme, but throughout the scriptures, you do find out something that did happen during the last 40 days of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And here it is. It says, the former... Tristy, have I made, O Theopolis. Now remember, Luke is writing to Theopolis. That's, he's writing a letter. Number, chapter, and verse, and number, all that comes later. So Theopolis is just a friend, a friend of Luke's, a co-worker of Luke's. He's writing this letter. And for us, it turned into the book of Acts, which basically is the history of the church. It's a very, I recommend everybody should, you know, if you're going to read a book, you know, in the month of January, Read the book of Acts and get a translation that you like. You know, get a passion translation. I mean, now with the Bible app, you have really no excuse. You could get it in, you know, the message translation, contemporary English version, anything you understand. But it's just exciting, I mean, because the, the birth of the church really, really teaches you what the church is supposed to look like. The book of Acts is not just a book of history. To me, it's almost, it's almost like a blueprint of what God wanted the church to be. Now, we are way away from the book of Acts, and we need, I think we need to bring some of this back, if not all of it, but the book of Acts, it was a powerful church. It was a church of power. It was a church where, you know, people were get, being saved. People were being raised from the dead. I mean, it, there was like, you know, there's healing in the streets. 
there's prosperity in the church. There's one scripture that says there was nothing missing among any of them. You know, so it's, so it's a powerful, powerful idea of what the church is supposed to be. So said that, let's keep reading. On Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostle who he had chosen. So remember now, he's writing, this is years after all this happened. He just sat down and said, Theo, let me tell you about this Jesus thing and tell you everything I've seen and heard. And he go, turns around and writes the book of Acts. So, so this is not happening, this is not live, right? This is years afterwards, he's sitting down and he's, you know, telling Theopolis everything that happened. And in verse 3, he tells us exactly what happens, what was the basis of the teaching. So, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. Now pay attention here because now it's going to give us an insight to what the theme was. So for 40 days, Jesus sat down, and every day they would teach primarily on one subject. And he tells them exactly what it says. He says, of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Amen? Think about that. I mean, this is how important this is. Jesus sat down and said, all right, boys, you know, for the next 40 days, we got one subject. We're going to one class. There's only one class we're going to do. It's called kingdom of God. And he understood that this was so vital for them to know that this is really what sets up the success of the early church. You know, why did the early church have so much success? Why did the early church have so many miracles and signs and wonders and they were so powerful in so many ways? I mean, they'd throw you in prison and the prison doors would bust open. I mean, it was a powerful, powerful church. Well, he tells you right there, it had to be to pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at another instance. Now, we're going to fast forward a few years into the life of Paul. Now, we're close to the end of the book of Acts. Here's Paul the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, the, the Pharisee of Pharisees, really the only guy that came from, you know, you could say seminary, and he was out there trying to kill Christians, had an experience with Jesus, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, got born again, saved, and took the, the cross of Christ, took the mission and his purpose in life, and he preached and established churches, and really we are here today because of Paul's ministry, because Paul is the one that brought the message to those that weren't Jews. So now Paul... It talks about some of, he gives a little insight of what he was about and what he was teaching. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. Now, how long was Paul there? Are you guys with me? Two years. You guys stay asleep. I'll just talk to this side. This is the only side that answered this morning, all right? I'm just messing with y'all. Track, come on, track, let's go. So for two years, what was he preaching on? Right there. The kingdom of God. I mean, you would think after about three sermons, you would run out of material, right? Because here's the thing you've got to understand about anybody in the New Testament. No, none of them could go to Matthew. None of them could go to the book of Mark or Luke or John or the book of Acts or Corinthians or Colossians or Revelation because none of those books were written. They were being written. So what do they preach? Because to me, when I need to prepare a sermon, I just go to the Bible and I have all these great, wonderful truths that are relevant to, to its society, but they, they could not go to Galatians chapter 6, you know? What did they preach? You ever wonder about that? What did these guys preach? And for two solid years, Paul had one subject matter, kingdom of God. And, if you, and I only picked two scriptures, by the way. If you go through the book of Acts, you're going to find out over and over, and even into the book of Romans and other places where there's a references that the message was around 
the idea of kingdom of God. So it is really, really important that every believer has a working understanding. All right, give me the next one. So now let's go into the big one. This is the center piece of everything we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. That was just the introduction. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 through 33. And, and by the way, Matthew chapter 6, because I read, I always try to read the scripture above and the scripture before. And Matthew 6 from the beginning, it's just so rich and so full of, of information. And it all is related to this point. So I'm not going to, you know, just because I'm starting in verse 19 doesn't mean it's a different subject. When you begin to read all of Matthew 6, you're going to find out. But let's go ahead and read it, um, starting in verse 19. And um, this is a Passion Translation. This is a modern translation. And he begins by saying, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. Now, right there, it gives us a little bit of insight to where this is going because there's one point I want to pull out of here. It has nothing to do with money, so don't look overly concerned this morning. But, it, but there is a point here that has to do extremely important with what has to do with money. And then you're going to find out why God does the tithe thing and, and all these things because it tells you right here. But one of the things that you pick up out of verse 19 and 20 is there is a place of spiritual investment that you cannot lose. How about that? There is a place of spiritual investment where you will always win. So this is not like the stock market because stock market's Volatile, right? I mean, you, sometimes you can lose money. Sometimes you can make a lot of money. But this is not. This is a 100% fail-proof system because he's telling you right there, this is the one place where the value cannot be, does not, you know, whatever you invest in the kingdom does not lose its value, all right? And then he goes on to say, says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. I'm telling you, every one of these scriptures will preach and preach and preach. But once again, so he says, number one, he says, there is a heavenly place. Then he says, because you will pursue what's in your heart. And this is really important that you get this one scripture because he, now he's going to tell you, if this thing is going to work, it's going to have to be a heart issue. And let me tell you what a heart issue is versus a mental issue. And I'll give you, a, I'll try to find out an example that everyone can relate to. You know, there's two versions I can explain to you. So you can have mind knowledge of something, you know, head knowledge of something, right? For example, in music, you can have the structure of a song. As a musician, you know, you, know, you can know the notes and the scales. And this is where a lot of musicians don't trans transfer, even professional musicians, they can get stuck on, on having, and I, know, you know, and I actually know some musicians that are completely amazing. You know, I mean, they, they got the education, they know how to read music. But everything became mine because in music, you know what you need to, for music to connect with people? It's called soul. And I, so how do you explain soul? I don't know. But you know what? It's a difference of me playing a scale. And you can see it. I mean, if you look at guitar players, now I'm a guitar player, so I, I watch them. You can see the, the professional guitar player is usually looking at music and he's playing all the correct notes. But the guy that plays soul, his eyes are closed, his head's back, he's making all these weird gestures with his face, right? Because the music is not coming from here. It's coming from here. All right? So that's an illustration of what we're referring to here. Because Jesus is saying, this truth that is about to be delivered to you, 
at the point that he is talking to them, but I, you know, that principle is the same truth for you now. This truth that I'm, I'm about to deliver to you, you can understand it with your head, and that'd be great. That's better than not understanding it, but it has to sink into the heart. Another way of explaining it is if a person, and I know people are wired different, so don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, a relationship that, for example, my wife and I will we'll be married, and that's a miracle that we didn't kill each other, 35 years. Once you've been married that long, and I know women, y'all like to hear it, I get that, that's cool. But when, when somebody asks you after you've been married, I don't know if you get that age after, you guys have been married a long time, so. So do you still get that, do you love me? No, you don't get it. Well, you, you're not allowed to come out. Okay, so that's cleared up. But I mean, after 35 years, I mean, the answer is like, duh, right? I mean, <laughs> but that's not what women want to hear. Women want to hear, yes, I love you, honey. But after 30, you know, after a lot of times, you can have a head, I love you, to somebody, and most people can figure it out that it's not real, or you can have a heart, I love you. That's a huge difference, right? Because if, you know, if somebody tells you I love you, but the next thing that comes out of their mouth is but, that's head knowledge. And you can forget about everything before the but, because what really, the heart's about to speak now. I love you, honey, but I found another. No, you don't love me. <laughs> you, you know. And if she's Mexican, you better run real quick. That's all I'm going to say, because your life might be in jeopardy after you make that comment. But here's my point. Or I'll give you the last illustration of what this was. When somebody, you know, kids are the, worst, the best at this. So when you take, you take your, your Christmas pictures this year and you tell everybody to smile, how many know the, the phony smile? The phony smile, you know which one it is? Your eyes don't smile. So that's the other thing I do. You know, I like photography. I do photography. So when you study photography, you got to figure out how to get people to really smile. Because they go, smile. The eyes aren't involved. You see, right now when I make you laugh, your eyes are involved. You're like, oh, this is so funny, right? That is the difference, again, once again, between a, a, a heart expression of, of laughter or smile. Because like with my grandkids, they all smile like this. They, go, they look like they're themselves. So I, gotta, I, I hug them and I start tickling them. And they're like, ah, like, take the picture. You know, it's like my, my granddaughter, Cammie, she doesn't like to smile at all. She's just like mad at the whole world all the time. Well, I get it, you know, she's one. You know, everybody controls your life at one, you know, so she's not happy about any of that. But to get her to smile, I got to get her ribs, you know, and I go, and she finally go, ha, take the picture. Because all her pictures, she's like, I mean, you can go back on Facebook, look at my Christmas picture. She's, the other two grandkids are like, oh, Christmas. And she's like, so my whole point is, we have to understand things with the heart. And this is the one truth that unless you, you know, because you're going to get the head knowledge in the next few weeks. But the application of this is called a lifestyle. That means, you know what, I'm going to choose my life. You, might, you, you know, even if you don't understand it, you should make that, you know, that, that choice today. So you know what, I think I'm just going to choose my life and I'm going to live by the kingdom of God. Whatever that means, I'm going to figure this out because the kingdom out there is broken. Have you noticed that? You know, we thought the great America, the, wait, by the way, this is the greatest nation in the world. No other nation could come up with a vaccine in eight months. Nowhere. Amen. This is a great nation, but we saw how broken it is because at the beginning of this pandemic, nobody had answers. Nobody knew what to do. The doctors didn't know. The specialists didn't know. The smart people of the world didn't know. So that system, you can't trust that system, church. 
Amen. And if you continue to trust that system, you're going to be continue to be let down. But there's a system that hasn't failed, never. I want to say for thousands of years, not even thousands of years, for eternity. Because the kingdom of God wasn't established thousands of years ago. It was established in eternity. So that's why at that point, your heart will always pursue what you value as a treasure. So we have to resolve that right now, you know, I want to get this kingdom of God thinking so deep in me that I'm going to live this way. You know, I might not get it all right. I might not know everything. But I'm going to start setting things in order in my life to make this my lifestyle. Then he goes on to say, he's still talking about the same thing. He says, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Well, that's pretty simple, right? Because he's telling you, you know, once you get your heart in the things of God, the eyes of your spirit, in other words, you're, you're reading the Bible. You're not just reading a book. You're reading God's word now. It means something to you. And what it tells you there, it says, if you make a choice, and this is really a choice that you have to make this morning, is to allow revelation knowledge inside. Because I can teach you a sermon, but it's not going to help you unless it, it goes from here to here. You'll have scriptures. You can take some great notes. But really, he's saying, let the revelation light enter into your being, because if your heart isn't clouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, uh-oh, so he brought that money thing up again. So is this about money or not? Not really. It really is about the kingdom living, but he makes a mention because the people there were just like the people today. When you have money, you feel secure. When you don't have it, you feel insecure. Can you say amen? That's the truth for all of us. When there's money in the bank, you're okay, you got a sense of security, but when there isn't, so money was, and, and the, there was an idea that came from, you know, the Greek culture, including the Roman culture, was kind of blended at this point, and they had a name for this, and his name was Mammon. And Mammon was a god that they created in their head. He's not a god. We know it's Satan. But, but Jesus makes reference to Mammon because Mammon was well known as one of the gods of the pagans, which was the god of money. He was the god of wealth. He was the god of possessions. So Jesus really makes a lot of references to Mammon in, in, in other places. And, you know, if the study goes that way, it'll go that way. But that's not the center part of this message. But he is bringing mammon up, he says, but if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? Now let's break that one down just briefly. So what is he saying now? He's saying, if your eyes are all focused, and it, you know, if we just remove the word money out and put the word materialism or material, then it will tell you where a lot of people live today, including people in the church. And, you know, and all of us live there. Now, this is not a bad thing. But if you're not careful, your whole world is about that. And for a lot of people, that's all it's about. All they talk about is money. All they do for is money. They have two or three jobs. They, you know, their, their kids are running hog wild because they don't have any time to spend with their kids. Their marriage is failing because they don't have any time to spend with their wife. But they're after money. Does anybody know anybody like that? Is anybody here like that? Don't raise your hand. But we know that Jesus, you know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And the love was, that doesn't mean you could be broke, completely broke, and be in that place. You can be a billionaire and be in the same place. The love of money has nothing to do with if you have money or not. That is, your God is that. That God will make you feel secure if that God is safely in your bank account. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he, he makes a reference. He says, you know, 
materialism is a clouding of the heart. So if your whole life, and by the way, we all, we all talk about money, and we, but you know, your life cannot all be about money. Thank you for that one. Some of you are like, really, it's not? No. There are things that, there's, there's so many things that money has nothing to do with. You probably saw that this Christmas morning when you, everybody went and bought all those expensive gifts and ripped all the gifts and everybody was excited and the little kid was playing with the empty box. I'm thinking, why well, just go buy the box, right? I mean, just, why would we even worry about what was inside the box? That kind of shows you that for a child, it's whatever is important that moment. But an adult, no, it's money, right? So the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will it be darkness within you if the light and truth cannot enter? So once again, he tells you, he's not talking about head knowledge. He's talking, make sure we, we resolve what are, the, what are the gods in us? You know, what are the things that, that we kind of, you know, the idols, if you, wanna, if you may say this, that we are placing before God? Because kingdom of God living does have certain requirements, and one of the requirements is developing confidence and developing trust in God. And that's not just a church thing. You know, you, you can teach the principles from church, but the way you're going to develop it is by living it. There are things that, you know, that's, that's why it's hilarious to have conversations with atheists because atheists will come here and say, there's no God and there's no this. And I'm thinking, dude, there's so much evidence in my life that whatever you say doesn't mean anything to me. You can bring all your little science and all your little facts. The fact is, I've seen God's hand so many times in my life, and my wife is alive today, and my granddaughter is alive today, and I'm probably alive today because of it. God knows how many times we've probably got you know, have been exposed to COVID this year. We still have not got it. We're not going to get it. Because, you know, I can tell you there's so much evidence in my life that, that God is around that for, for you to come and tell me, oh, science says that he's not real. I said, I, I really don't care your science. Your science couldn't figure out what to do with, with COVID. So that's your God. Your God doesn't even know what it's doing. Amen? So once again, it says you have to have, a, a and I'm, I'm really bringing this point in because if this one point, I want you to take away this morning is that one. It has to be from the heart. It has to be a lifestyle. This is something you live when nobody's watching you. This is something you live when you're, you know, at your house. It's something you begin to grow in it. So, okay, let, let me have the next one. Arjun, now, now he, now he begins to really break down some of the things. He says, how could you worship two gods at the same time? So, in other words, he says, you will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God, while being enslaved to the God of money. And, and, the, and the King James Bible say Mammon, which was his name. So, one, you know, so right there, one thing, you know, everyone in, in, in the sound of my voice in this building, watching me online, coming back and listening to podcasts, you're not going to get a, away from that one thing that you and you alone are going to have to decide. And it is, who is taking your worship? Because if your whole life is wrapped around the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of money, the, the security that it brings, then that's your God. And, and you, can, you can say, well, pastor, I don't believe that. I'm spiritual. I go to church. Whatever. I'm not the one calling you this. Jesus is the one that, that basically defines something really simple. Who has a bigger voice in your life? Who is speaking to you? Who do you obey? What are the things that you do because of the voice that is speaking to you? And if you think about it, I mean, really think about it, especially if you're an adult, some of you young people don't know, you know, 
Kate and the other day told me, I just want to grow up. And I'm like, no, you don't. Young people stay young, right? Because <laughs> growing up comes with something called bills and payments and taxes and registrations and license plates and diapers and tons of stuff that are going to cost you tons of money. When you're a kid, you don't have those worries. So stay a kid, all right? This is how can you, while enslaved to the God of money, he says, don't worry, now we're going to get into the meat. So basically, he's really laying it out that there are two kingdoms. There's a materialistic system, or in other words, you could say a world system, a flesh system, and then there's a spiritual system. And, th and that's really what he's breaking it up down to. And then he says, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. I thought that would have been a good word for somebody this morning. I know David Weider brought it up, right? It says a professional warrior, is that how he said it? He says, this is the reason you don't have to be worried about your life. So I just set everybody free this morning. Because God, you know, Jesus is telling you, if you follow this, guess what the biggest thing that's going to leave your life is? Worry. How many would like to live a worry-free life? Amen, right? Me too. Because worry is actually apprehension of a future event. It hasn't even happened. You don't worry about what happened yesterday because it already happened. You're worried about what might happen. And the reason there's worry in your life and there's reason there's worry in my life is really simple, but that the voice of the world is louder than the voice of God. The voice of the kingdom of the world is louder than the voice of the kingdom of God. Because he's telling you right now, he says, this is why I tell you, never to be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't there more to your body than clothing? In other words, isn't there more to life than just going to work from 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 for 65 years of your life or till you're 65 and then you're too beat up to enjoy it when you retire? Isn't there more, isn't there more to life than just go shopping? Isn't there more to life than just you know, all the things that we're pursuing? Is there something more to life? Well, of course there is. And it's called purpose, amen? But he tells you right there what it is. It says... And then I love this illustration because he says, life is more than a meal. He says, look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? My wife has a hobby, which I enjoy, and she likes to feed the birds at the ranch. And we have all these non-shootable birds around my house. They are afraid because we have all these cubbies of quail. They're like, hey. I'm like, you better thank God you're standing right here because you're under protection. If you go out that side that fence, you're a meal. And we have dove, and we have all these pretty birds and cardinals. And then, she, and then she gets like, oh, I ran out of bird seed. So we got to go buy bird seed, right? But sometimes we go a few days without bird seed. She's like, I said, honey, those birds have survived for thousands of years. They've made it. I know you think you're the mother of them, but they've been around for hundreds of years. And God has been taking care of them. And I know he's using now to help out a little bit, but they were fine. I'm just messing with her. Yeah, this is, a, this is a, she's talking trash. You guys in here, this is, I mean, they're fat. Are you, the quail out in the ranch are all skinny, and the ones at the house are all plump. Like, like, oh, yeah. I'm serious, you walk around my house, it looks like a zoo. There's little rabbits. You know, it's almost like a Disney movie, you know. You almost hear the music in the background. The birds aren't worried about food. I love, I mean, this, is, this, this reading is so in your face about 
Jesus trying to get our attention because, you know, whenever you start worrying about your life and your circumstances and your kids aren't behaving right and you don't have enough money in the bank and, you know, there's pressure and you lost your job, and I know there's real pressure, people. Don't misunderstand. I'm not making light of it. But, you know, sometimes it do, do you good just to go look for a bird and say, Lord, if you took care of that thing, you most definitely can take care of me. You see, and that revelation is not just a cute little phrase. That revelation comes from here, that knowing that God's got your back. Because you've, making, you've made a choice now to live in a different system. And this system, like I said, we're going to break this thing down for weeks. We'll probably be the whole month of January on this, maybe even more, I don't know. But the point of it is, when you learn the system, and it becomes part of your life, then you're really going to see the benefits of this. So he goes, you know, this is such a powerful point. And you should use, you should use this one on, on the devil every time he comes to harass you. He says, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? Talk to me, church. I'm telling you, we're not, I'm not even all there yet, but think about what he's trying to get across to us. He's trying to get across to us the fact that God loves you more than a bird. And he takes care of birds. So right there, you should be fine with the fact that, guess what? God will take care of you. But it still has to have faith because this is what happens in church. You hear a message like this, you get inspired. God's going to take care of me. And as soon as you get in the car, you look at your and say, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Oh, they're going to take the car. They're going to take the house. They're going to take the kids. Well, they can have the kids, right? But not the house and the car. Yeah, you know, you know a divorce has gone really bad when, like, the, the, the one that keeps the kids actually wants to give them back to you now? Like, yeah, you, yeah I was just kidding. Here, you take them. I don't want custody. No, no, no. Father provides them with each foot. Aren't you much more valuable? So now there's this point of how much does God value you? Well, let me flip it. How much do you value God? Because he did say, you know, draw to me, which means start walking towards God, and he will draw himself to you. Unless you're making the first step, he's not taking the other one. So if God is way over there where that flag is and I make one step him, he's going to take one step. If I take another step, so I don't, I don't have to go all the way to the wall, I'm going to end up meeting God somewhere right about here. Does that make sense? But some, so, so a lot of us, you know, Christianity has become this thing like, okay, I want God in my life. God, you need to come and bless my life. You need to come and bless what I'm doing. And if you were honest, you, would, you're really, you know what you're really saying? God, Bless this mess, and he's not going to bless your mess because you made the mess. Now, he can fix the mess, but he's not going to bless the mess. But Christianity is a lot of times like that. It's like, God fix it, God come here, God heal, God, and then God says, okay, um, we need somebody on the cleaning team. Oh, I'm too busy. Well, ain't that something? You, you want God to draw an eye, but you're not willing to draw an eye a little bit that way. Because kingdom of God thinking, you know, it really is not. Here, let me, let me think about the kingdom of God. God's not doing anything in it. He's already established it. He's done it. He set the parameters. He set the rules. He set the law. And he's sitting down. And Jesus is sitting down. And you're supposed to be sitting down. That's what the Bible says. And simply living in the system and doing whatever is your part and your responsibilities. So, he, you know, he goes, 
in this, in this point that he's telling you, you know, he's trying to get across to you to say, look, 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 the system works. Because the birds, they don't worry about anything. Give me, the, give me the next one. I think we're down to the, the last one. So now, verse 27, and again, I like, the Passion Translation just really brings it home. The King James is also very poetic, and there's one thing that King James said that sounds better in King James Version. So verse 27 says, so which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? Well, we've discovered that, haven't we? Somebody, please say amen. When was the last thing that you worried about fixed? Because you worried about it. Can worry fix anything? No, it just makes more worry, right? You know, my, my grandfather not being a, well, he, he, I don't think he became a Christian until right at the end of his life, and Michelle, my daughter, brought him to Jesus when she was little. And he had a little, little proverb that stayed with me, his proverb, it's not a Bible proverb, but it could have been Bible. And it was simply, he says, well, he had two. He had one in his good Texan style. He said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How many heard that one? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Then he says, if it is broke, fix it. And if you can't fix it, don't worry about it. And that's, that holds so much truth. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, we have a responsibility. We, have, we are supposed to do things. We're not just sit back and God's going to fix everything. But your part is not in trying to fix it. This is what I've discovered about the Lord many, many of you. These are just little truths that I know about God. For example, if I'm driving down the highway and I get a flat, chances are I'm going to change it. Actually, about 99.999% chance. But if there's a dear, you know, older lady, loves Jesus, you know, she's, she's going to town, and she has a flat and she doesn't have the ability to fix it, God will send somebody to help her. Because here's where I'm going with this. God expects you to do the natural according to your ability. And where your natural and your ability stops, that permits his supernatural ability to kick in. And, though, and when you understand both what is my part and what is his part, it's really cool to do this. Because pretty soon, the things that are overwhelming, the things that you have no control over, for example, COVID, you got no control over it. And you can ask Dr. Garza if those masks are what they do. Now, wear it, do what they tell you, but it's not. That's just a little thing they give you, so they make you think you have a little bit of control, correct? I'm pretty close, right? I heard another doctor say an explanation that says wearing masks is like putting a cyclone fence around your house and hoping the mosquitoes don't come in. I'm in front of a doctor, so I'm checking. He just, he's giving me like, he's, you know what he does? He's, he agrees with me, but he gives me the look like, not exactly, but yes. Right? That's what you're saying? <laughs> you see, he did it again. He's like, yeah, you're, like, I don't want to embarrass you, Pastor, but yeah, okay, you're kind of right. Close enough. You say, I got it close enough. That's good. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll take the close enough. So my point is, you know, what is your part in kingdom living? At the end of, the, at the end of, of, of your day, at the end of your Christianity, is, is really, what is my expectation? For example, forgive. You know, nobody wants to do that, but that is one of the things that is a requirement. You know, trying to live right is one of the requirements. Thank you for your excitement on that one. Not acting, no. If you're just still acting like you did in the world, well, there's really no difference. Now, God has a lot of love and patience, and there's a process. I have all the patience in, 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 in the world for anybody that's trying to get their life together. But at some point, God's going to look at you like, come on, really? You know, if you get drunk, you don't get to ask God to heal you from the hangover. 
Not that anybody knows what that is, because you guys are so spiritual in this house. But, you know, those are the kind of things people do. They go and get involved in a bad situation, and the situation's a wreck, and then, then when they're in that mess, oh, God, fix it, and God, you know, and in his mercy, sometimes he still will fix stuff like that, but a lot of times he's like, you got yourself into it, dude, you know? The fix is, the fix is get, your, get your heart back to God. Start with that. Because at the end of the day, most of our problems, guys, you can look at your neighbor right now and say he's talking to you. Go ahead and get it off your chest. Most of your problems are in your decision-making. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I just needed to hear that this morning. People come back to me and, you know, oh, we've heard this story, my wife and I, so many times. You know, especially, it seems like women are, are more, I hear it more from women than men. But, you know, somebody says, oh, I find, I find my soulmate, and I'm going to marry this guy, and he's amazing, and he's awesome, Pastor, and I'm just in love, and he loves me. And I'm like, does he know Jesus? No, but I'll bring him to Jesus. And no, you won't. And then they get married, and then they come to me and say, Pastor, my marriage is a mess, and he's cheating. I'm saying, you married it, you fed it, you brought it in. Why didn't God protect me? Because you didn't listen. Because if you want to get a right relationship, you marry somebody who loves God more than they love you. And then you'll never go wrong. We would, we would have been divorced so many years ago if God wasn't part of our mix. Because at the end of the day, her and I have to get to God. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Uh-huh. Y'all don't want to hear this this morning. I don't even know why I'm on this. Maybe somebody needs marriage counseling let me get to the meat. We're almost done. So today, I just want to introduce it. But you see, God is, this is where people miss it. God works amazing things, but he works them within the kingdom of God context. He doesn't violate his word. He doesn't violate his rules. You know, he loves you, but he's not going to change the whole system to go out there and, and, and make your life right if your life, if you're making consistent choices, not just consistent, you know, you're staying with a bad choice all the time. You ever see like that one person that's gone through three failed marriages, but they're always mar marrying the same kind of person? And then you wonder like, how come my marriages don't work? Because of you. You're the problem. After the third one, I feel bad for these guys, man. They're all running away. Or ladies. They're all running away, all right? I hope the guys are. All right, let's, let's go. Give me the next one, Archie. We're almost done. So then, he's, well, he's still not done telling us what we got to do. Now it's going to, this is where the title of this message is, because the message is titled, Seek Ye First. Everybody say first. Say first things first. That's really what, what we're talking about. He says, then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we eat? For that is what the unbeliever chases after. In other words, there should be a difference between you and, the, and an unbeliever. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, everybody say above all. Now this is where King James Bible, I, I like it a little better, because he says, he says first of all, or, or the idea of seek ye first, Passion says, above all, constantly chase after the realms of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. And I, love, I really like verse 34. It says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care 
of itself. Can I get an amen off that one? Somebody need to hear that one, right? Tomorrow will take care of itself. So let me just read it. Let me, let me just read it straight up because I just like the way King James reads. Matthew chapter 6, let me just read it once and then I'll expound. So what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning, it is vital that you work on a, at a personal level. I don't care if you know, younger person, older person, whoever in the room, you need to begin a pursuit of what is this kingdom of God? What is my responsibility within the rules? What are the, what are the responsibilities within the parameters of the kingdom of God? Because another way, way of saying the kingdom of God, you could say God's way of doing what he does. And I'm telling you, when we do things, and I, I still have a tendency, don't think, well, Pastor, you got it down. No, I don't have it down. I've been doing it for many years, but I'm getting better every time. The more I practice it, the better I get. And you really have to practice not worrying. When's the last time you practiced not worrying? Just like you practice worrying, try to practice not worrying. Well, how do you even practice not worrying? How about spending time with God? How about reading the Bible? It's just something amazing. If you read the Bible, especially if you read it out loud, you can't even have a negative thought. As soon as you close it, they'll just pile into your head. But if you're reading it, you, as you're reading it, you cannot have a negative thought. Try it. I mean, you can be going through the greatest Christ. Just start reading the Bible out loud, just where you can hear yourself read it. Every negative thought leaves. So um, King James Bible says it this way. I'll just read 32 because it all flows together. It says, for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first. Everybody say first things first. He tells you right off the bat, you know, in the King James Bible, he says, seek ye first. The first thing, the number one, next week, we get, guess what we get? A brand new year. Now, yes, this year was bad, so what? We're getting a, a fresh start, right? Seek ye first. I really do believe that, that, that God in his great wisdom and infinite wisdom and amazing way that he does things, everything about the system was set up. The seasons, we have seasons. We have, you know, we have spring. We have um, summer, autumn, winter. All that, God created that. And there was a time where that clock would reset every year. And I think that's part of God's plan, that we get, that we get these resets. I don't think January 21 is just, okay, just another year, because let me tell you something about Jan January 1st. I'm, I'm going to help you. Don't even waste time doing resolutions. Because most of you will break them by the third. I'm, I'm speaking for myself. How many know what I'm talking about? This year I'm going to get on a diet. No, you're not. You said that last year and the year before, and I've been saying that for like 40 years, all right? So what you can make is decisions of quality. And that's way better than a resolution. Because a decision of quality means, means a decision you're not going to go back from. And I think that's why, let me, let me plug what we're doing. So next week, what I'm going to teach on is the principles of seeking God through prayer and fasting. Now, no, you don't have to join in. And then the, by the next, we'll set a date. And we're going to go three weeks on this thing. And it's not about a Daniel fast, by the way. It's not even about starving or not eating food. It's just about removing some of the things that you don't need. And that actually should be pretty healthy. Because part of the Daniel fast, you remove sugars, you remove meats, you remove some other things. Only for three weeks. And, but you have to learn the principle because it's not just fasting. It's fasting and praying. In other words, you're seeking God. You're not just... Start, so... When you understand seek ye first, we want to start this year with a 21-year, I mean 21-year, 21-day fast in the context of a Daniel fast. That means you're not going to go without meal. That means you're going to understand what fasting is. You understand what seeking God is. Because he's telling you the key to this is seek ye first. Seek ye first, not second, not third, not on Sunday. Seek ye 
first. That means when you wake up tomorrow morning, you should wake up and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's the plan? What's the plan, Lord? Establish Psalm 91 over your house, over your kids, over your family, over your work, and then just go to what's the plan, Lord? Because you're going to find out the plan is about being a blessing at the end of the day. So King James says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rights, righteousness, which means his right standing, and all these things, what things? All the things that everybody's looking for. They want a roof. They want, uh, you know, they want clothes. They want money. They want support. They want, they want to feel secure. Because at the end of the day, money, what is, it, what is the power? Why did God even, you know, why did Jesus bring up money in this whole conversation? Because he knew the trust that people are putting in it. And he knows that it can become easily become a God. It can be exalted very easily over even God. There's a lot of people that, that you know, I, have, I could tell you stories upon stories, but there's one story years and years and years ago. A lady came to this church, and she didn't have a job, and we prayed for a job, so she got a job, like, instantly, and she was really happy with it. But then there, and, and she was doing good, and her life was getting in order. And then she came back and said, oh, Pastor, you know, they offered me more hours, so I'm going to be working on Sunday. And a big red flag came up in my spirit because she was going to trade something for something else. God gave her the job. And it was being a blessing, but then they enticed her, not, not on purpose. Obviously, they, they wanted her to, to work. That's not, but, but the idea to say, okay, maybe if I put eight more hours, I'll have more money. The only problem is that she sacrificed the Sunday. And she took those eight hours, and it wasn't too long before that lady left the church, left everything, lost the job, and never heard from her again. And this is hard, kind of heartbreaking because... One bad decision can change everything. You know, nobody should, nobody should come to church because of fear. But I'll tell you one thing. The only version of fear that I could not, not relate to, but that I could see happening in my life, is that if I became separated from God, then it would be scary. I really, I'll be honest, I don't, have a, I don't operate in fear. I've, I've dealt with that years ago. I used to have a lot of fear in my life, and I fixed it, and I fixed it through the, through the Word. But nowadays, the only thing that would bring fear into my life is to say God is no longer in your life. Because God is not the source. He proved it this year. He proved it in 2020. Even without a job, because my, my, my own business was down for two months completely, you know, and when you don't have a check for two months, it can get pretty dry. But, you know, God kept doing things. Because I, I discovered, you know, part of the things that God did during that season, the, the church finances, when we closed the church back in April, it, it, it tanked. I mean, they went, probably, we probably lost, if you can imagine, 70% of your income. You still got the same bills. Just because you shut the building, okay, you're paying a little less electricity, but it's still, you know, you still got all the same bills. But you know what? In that season, God spoke to different people that I yet haven't met. And there was one lady from somewhere north that began to watch us online. And when, when the church finances dried up here, right in that season, this lady that I don't even know, she doesn't even know the church that well, she sent $1,000 to the church through online giving. And I'm watching God do things like that. Like God says, come on, I got this. I can find somebody in the middle of Michigan or Massachusetts. And, and I can take that person. They could, they could be scrolling down Facebook and I can get them to your page. And I can get that person to, to click that little button and send you whatever money you need. And I said, yes, sir. Because there was a little bit of apprehension because as a pastor, you're watching this, right? Like, for example, Laredo, thank God we don't have any rent or mortgage on this building. But Laredo, we pay rent. And we're shut down, and the rent still do. 
<laughs> right? And we didn't even ask the owner. And, and that first month, we were pretty back. And, and Abigail, which is the director in Laredo, she, she, I, she called the owner not to ask for a break. She just called to see how he was doing in the middle of all the COVID. We say, you know, just call him, say, he's a, he's, a, he's a man of God. You know, he's been to church a few times. Not, not, he's not consistently in church. And the guy said, oh, by the way, you guys don't need to pay the month of May. We didn't call for that reason. But you see over here, I'm like, oh, that's $1,500 of, where's that going to come from? God already fixed that too. So, you know, here's the one I'm trying to get across. Your life will begin to have all these little stories like that. Because you've, you've made a choice. Back to Passion Translation. So above all, constantly chase. And but, but go back to the King James. First things first. Seek ye first. You know, in a few days it's going to be the first. I, I really invite you, this week we're not having any midweek service except for New Year's Eve. And for those of you that are newer to the church, we don't stay here till midnight. You know, that's not what we do. We start at 7. We're usually done by 9. We're going to have a you know, weather permitting and everything permitting a little fireworks thing after church for everybody to just hang out, and then everybody go, goes home and do what you got to do, right? But I'm telling you, you got, what is it, Sunday, you got four days to really think about this and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to get on a pursuit come January 1st, and I'm going to try to discover you for myself. You know, I thank God for the church. I thank God for Pastor Box, but this is not about the church. It's not about Pastor Box. This is about you and me. Because that's really what it is. All this we do here is about my biggest responsibility is to teach you how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because if you're going to base your faith on my stories, it's not going to work. I've developed a personal relationship with Jesus for over 27 years of living this way. Do I know everything? No. But I've learned to rely on that system. I've really learned to read. That's why I have no issues with giving. I have no issues with tithing. I have no issues with sowing. Because if God tells me to, right now to give it all away, it goes all the way. Because the kingdom of God, you cannot break it. it I mean, I'm telling you, and this is where people have fear. Why don't, why don't people tithe? It's, it's not that they're bad people. They just have fear. Why, don't people, why, why do people have problems with generosity? It's not that they're bad people. They have fear of the system that controls their life. And the best way you get rid of that fear is operating in the new system. And we're going to learn all about it. I want to, like I said, I want to break this thing down where there's no really big questions. Sure, you might have some questions, but it really is, how does God do, do what he does? What is the, the last one? I think I got like a couple more, RJ. We, this is just the few notes that I put up here. Everything's been scripture this morning. We will live and be subject to the realm that we're born into. Man was to operate, I just put the, the, the acronym KOG, Kingdom of God system. You will live in it. And I'll give you an example, and we'll close with these, these scriptures. God said, Genesis 1, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, let's just stop with that real quick, because we read these things way too fast. So this is God speaking about, the, about you, about mankind, about man. So what, is, what, are the, what are the few things that we see in that first sentence? Number one, you look like him. Yeah, what does God look like like you? He's got hands, he's got eyes, he's got nose. He's got... So he, we are the image of God, and we are in the likeness of God. And likeness means that whatever God does, we have the ability to do at our, at our capacity, and we can live 
the God kind of life in this earth. That's really what it means because he's telling you you have dominion. And then verse 27, he says, this is what we're going to do. And then in verse 27, he does it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created he them. So if God made you, then you should operate in the system, right? This is a good place to say amen. Give me the next one, and we're done. I think there's one more one, too. So here's what you got to understand. Adam was born again, but he was born again into death. You know, when you come to Jesus, and maybe you're here this morning or you're watching me online, you know, most people that I look around are born-again believers. I'm almost 100% confident we have a smaller crowd this morning. But here's the point. When you come without God, I've done it. I had to do it twice because the first time it didn't stick, right? When I was a kid, I, I was with God, I left God, and then coming back to God, I did that, what you did. said, Jesus, come back in my life. You know, I need you back in my life. That experience is called born again. So you're going from death, from being, and the word death, I'm trying to get it, something everybody gets, is simply unplugged from God, unplugged from the life of God. You're on your own. You're your own God. You're subject to that system. And you say, Jesus, come into my life. So you're plugged back into God. And I always use my pulpit like if it was a cross. Imagine a cross. So now I'm here. So I, I was born again from death. I'm born again into life. Well, Adam was born from life to death. He was created image likeness. The Spirit of God was in him. But his act of disobedience, sinning after he was told not to, caused him to unplug from God and be subject to, that, to the realm of darkness. Now, he was still God's kid, and God still had dealings with him, and God still loved him, but he, he put himself in a, in a world of hurt because now he's under the curse, and he's kicked out of Eden, which was a beautiful place where he was in charge. Now he's out there. He's going to have to plow the land, and everything's difficult, and everything's hard. So Adam was born again into death. You could say it this way. He was born from a God conscience because he has image and likeness. At this point, church, come on. But now he says, he bows his knee to Satan, so he goes from God-conscience to self-conscience. Well, how do we know that? Because in, the verse, in verse 3, 7, it says, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed le fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So he went, they didn't know they didn't have any clothes on. I'll tell you what, because the glory of God covered them. But even with that, there was no shame. There was no reason for embarrassment. But when his eyes became open... They covered themselves, so he went from a God conscience to a self-conscience. And, and we're still there because, remember, you still have that nature. So now the job is, <laughs> okay, you're born again. Here's a big one. Everybody tracking with me. You're born again, but now you've got to work on one point. Now you've got to work on the God conscience. Because even though you're still born again, you still have the self-conscience. You're going to heaven. And here's the difference between you and other people. There's a lot of people that are going to make it to heaven. Lots of people, millions, billions of people. But there's not that many people that live the system down here. And I see it. I mean, I talk to a lot of Christians. Even talking to David Weider, he said, man, you'd be surprised how many people. And when he says our camp, he means, you know, word of faith people. He says, you would, you'd be surprised how many people in our camp are full of fear of COVID. I mean, these are people that love God, love Jesus, but they're overwhelmed with fear. They don't go anywhere. I mean, the fear just took a hold of them. Are they bad people? No. Are they going to hell? No. But guess what? They're not operating in that. They're not operating in that. So what, you know, I'm trying to close on a positive note. 
There's no promise that tells you that 2021 won't have some other major surprises. Right? So in England now, they figured out COVID is mutating. Not to scare anybody, but why would we be scared? Because the first version didn't do it. The second one's not going to do it to me. Or the third. Or the fourth. What if they release another bug? We're having tornadoes. We're having hurricanes in places that never saw them before. We're having earthquakes in places that never saw them before. That's all Matthew 24, by the way. You know what? Since I've already chosen not to live in that system, I've got nothing to worry about. That's the bottom line, guys. But I'm going to work this system. I just can't say, okay, I'm going to you know, wish it away into the cornfield. I'll just have good thoughts, positive thoughts, you know, little ponies and unicorns, everything fine. That's what some Christians want to do. They want to stick their head in the sand and act like everything's fine. No, it's not fine. You have to know what's going on out there, and you have to know how this system works in here. You have to. You can't just say, okay, Jesus got it, got it all. No, Jesus got it all. It's going to take your faith and your, your approach to it to make you change that self-conscious thing into a God conscience. Because you know what God conscience tells you? God never loses. To read the end of the book, he didn't lose in the book either. He promised... He made promises about your family, about your kids. He made promises about your marriage. He made promises about your finances. He made promises about your influence. The whole book is a book of promises. But they're promises that, that will work within the kingdom of God. So, so for the next few weeks, you know, kind of open your heart to receive some of these truths. Amen? That was the last one, right? I think so. All right, go ahead and stand with me this morning. We're going to stop there. And i leave you with a with a big question as, you, as, as we close this service. Are you willing to live in the kingdom of God? And are you willing to change good for best? Because you know what? Being a Christian is a good thing. Let me help you. Not going to hell is a good thing. Say amen. But you know what? That's good. Having Jesus in your life, that's good. But you know what's best? Living in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be just a good Christian. I want to be one of the best Christians meaning understanding these principles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, sir, for the word. We thank you for where it has gone. And I thank you for this church. I pray for the online audience. And Father, right now, if there is somebody within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, Father, let them, before we finish this crazy 2020, let them bring you in your life. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, you know, maybe you're born again. Let me, let me, let me open up this a little bit. Maybe in the, in the teaching this morning, you saw yourself as being just that good Christian, that you're a good person, you go to church, but you still operate in a lot of fear, a lot of apprehension, a lot of what's going to happen in my life. So, that, you know, that'd be good. today would be a good day to re reconfirm or reaffirm your salvation. Not that you're not, you're not going to hell, but it's always a good prayer. So that, I would invite you to, to, to pray it, not just to repeat it in prayer, but really say, Lord, I want 2021 to be a year of full all-in. I'm willing to make the adjustments in my life. I'm willing to take the correction. I'm willing to be corrected if I have to. But 2021 will be a great year. So pray this with me. Everyone watching online, everyone here, say, Lord Jesus, today I make the commitment to serve you with all my heart. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins the ones I cannot remember. The only thing I can do is plead your blood, Jesus. Wash away all the sin, all the curse, all the brokenness, all the fear. 
your eyes closed head bowed. That's you see that little prayer. If you meant it, you are in the you are part of the family. Now comes the education of how the system works. Kingdom of God. I got my eyes closed. I just want to share a couple of thoughts and then I'll pray one more prayer and we'll be done with the message. Practice this. Start with forgiveness. You cannot operate in this heart and this system without forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. Sometimes it's not easy, I'm telling you. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Practice walking in love. Practice getting rid of deception. Even there's no such thing as white lies. You know, just be aware of these little things. You're going to learn all these things, you know. But, but really, walking in love is the number one. And love means forgiveness. And loving all the people around you. Be a blessing to everyone. You, know, so you, you can start that this week. And you're going to watch the benefits. Because God will attach that promise to your actions. So, Father, I thank you once again. And I pray for all the families here, Lord, as we close this year with this prayer. Again, Lord, yes, it's been a difficult year for a lot of people. And we don't make light of that. We pray for them. We pray truly that 2021 will be a year of healing, of restoration. And, Father, as we press in in the month of January to really understand what the kingdom of God is, whatever 2021 has lined up, from whoever sits down as president, whatever crisis, whatever thing, we thank you, Lord, because we make a decision that we're not going to participate in any crisis. Can you pray that for yourself this morning? Just make a decision. I'm not participating. I'm not participating in financial crisis. I'm not participating in epidemics and pandemics. I'm not participating in flu season. I'm not participating in, in, in strife and anger and violence. I'm not participating in any of it. I make a choice to only participate with the kingdom. So I thank you, Lord, that 2020 is done. We are done. And 2021 will be glorious for the church. Whatever happens out there doesn't matter anymore. It will be glorious for our families. Say this with me as I close this. In 2021, as for me and my house, we will seek the Lord and we will serve the Lord with all of our hearts. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a big praise offering. Come on. Woo! Glory to God. All right. You may be seated. I want to give you a couple things that are going on that I need to talk to you about. I'm not going to teach on offering and giving. Hopefully you know what to do. But I'll tell you something. Come Thursday, that's a good, good spot. If you're still struggling with being a tither, that would be a good time to start to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, you know, and then see if it works because that tithing, that's part of the kingdom of God. That 10% is not about God needing money. That's about that 10% reminds you every week of your life. That you're God. That's what it is. It's more of a reminder to you than it is to God. So don't let, like I said a few weeks ago, don't let a dime on a dollar keep you from the blessing because it's not worth it. God, you cannot outgive God. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It still amazes me today what He does. So that's all I'm going to say about offering. Do what you need to do. What I wanted to tell you about is there's a there's something we did in the, our Laredo church. We, we had a meeting with, with the leadership, and we have to change the schedule. Our schedule does not work. It's not good for anybody, including myself. So how, what, what's this, what does that have to do with Hebronville? I'll tell you what it has to do. So next week um, in Laredo, Faithway Laredo. Our services are going to go from 6 p.m. to 1 p.m., which means I got to get out of here and go straight to there. And then, of course, I'll have lunch later and all that. So I'm going to try. You guys need to pray for me because I'm too long-winded. I know that. So 
So we're going to try to reduce the service a little bit here. Hopefully we can start creating a, a practice to get out of here by 12, by 11.45. No, because I don't leave. You know, there's times, by the way, some of you don't know this, there's times we don't even leave until 2 o'clock. That's fine. That's what we're here for you. If you need prayer, if you need to talk to us, we're here. I know that's the only day we come. We can set up appointments and all that, which will be something if it's, if it's something major you need to talk to me about, set up an appointment, we'll come. We'll be with you. My wife and I will pray for you. We'll talk to you. But the thing is, you know, I cannot resolve a lot of things starting next year right here because I got to get in the car and leave. <laughs> um, so pray with me. Help me get organized. So and we're going to see how it works. You know, see how it works. So we have to, you know, service starts there at 1. And over there, we're still very limited in musicians. So I'm still playing with the band over there. Um, so I got to get there, you know, in time to do all that. So we're excited. And if you know anybody that to go to Laredo Church, just make sure you remind them now that the new schedule will be 1 p.m. starting January 3rd. And, they're, and we're doing the same thing in Laredo. You know, they're, they're same teaching, same fasting and praying, everything's going. And the church is going good. You know, we've had some good things happen lately. Um, it's, been, it's been a work, I'm telling you, but I think we're on track. Um, leadership is starting to come up. And, I'll, and I'll, let me tell you, let me tell you that they have real people this because you guys need to know. There is no version of me becoming a full-time pastor in Laredo. I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that God wants me here. And I'm believing God's going to raise people over there. You know, I can't, it's really hard to pastor two churches, you know, at the same time. So, you know, like the church in Mexico has its own pastor, and they're doing good. And we had the church in Kingsville, but the pastor moved, so we don't have it anymore. But, you know, every every campus should have their own their own setup. Laredo, we've been just, it's been harder than, than what I expected. So that's what's going on. Um, Thursday, once again, Terry Mize. If you don't know who Terry is, you need to come. He's been a great, great friend for many, many years. Man of God, apostle. And our service will start promptly at 7. We will be done usually. Terry usually finishes 8.39. So make it a point to be here with your family. Let's finish the year with God. Let's start the year with God. Amen. And really consider some of this teaching this year. I mean, if you're going to, maybe, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're and your husband or you and your wife are married, to each other about what's going on, especially when as we move into this idea of fasting and praying because everybody needs to be in rhythm of it. And again, fasting and praying, nobody has to do any of it. It's just something I will teach on it. It will be your decision to make. But you know, I think it's just, I don't want to see the church caught off guard like it was last year because that's kind of how it felt this week. And I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it all until this weekend when I was processing all these ideas of fasting and praying and so forth. And it just that thought came up since the church was asleep that COVID should have Never had that opportunity. I'm talking about the global church. Because God gave us that. So, you know, say, well, Pastor, how can I fix the global church? You can't. But you can fix your house. You can establish authority in your house. Start there. You can establish authority in your community in Hebronville. And you go ahead and, and establish before the end of the year or, or get your family together. You know, and we're having communion next Sunday. We didn't have communion this month because we got all these guest speakers. But that would be an also a good point of contact to say, this year we're going to do things a little bit more. Amen? All right, go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here. And if you have information to give there, if you need an envelope, there should be one near you. And thank you for your generosity and thank you for what you give in. This church is such a blessing to so many people. And I remind you, I remind you, you're offering. There's a church in Mexico that has have its doors open because you are giving. We are providing support, continual support 
to, um, you know, Cuba every week. We send a little bit of money as, as we can. And you guys were a tremendous blessing to the Navajo people a few weeks ago when we took all the toys over there. And then we had a bunch of new clothes that we had, and they were really, really blessed. So, you know, you might not see what you're doing, but you guys are touching nations. You're being a blessing to many people. And that, Monique and I are really, really grateful. Thank you so much for, for being part of the Faith Wave family. That goes for you online people. I'm talking to everybody. Online people, you're part of our church. Even though you're not in the building, you're, you're just as much as part of this. So, Father, we thank you, sir, once again for a good year for us. That we navigated this year with all the crisis, and we are here complete. Our families are complete. We are blessed beyond measure. And, Lord, we just look forward to Thursday night as we wrap this year up. We look forward to 2021, a year of blessing. Till I see him again, I pray the peace of God that passeth all understanding with everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, with that, you are dismissed. God bless you, and I hope to see you on Thursday night. Shake somebody's hand or high-five them, social distance, all that.